Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fritz Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert, and Zach Carlson, all at home. Not together. It's not like we live together, which would be kind of weird. It'd be a weird sitcom. Two young guys and some old fart. Actually, that might be a good sitcom. Huh. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, that'll be a new show at Go PowerCat. Meet the Fitzers. I don't know. This is the podcast in which you ask us questions, and we answer those questions about Kansas State sports. Hopefully, we have enough questions to do a full podcast this week. We'll see. It's uh, getting a little hard to come up with questions to ask the trained answering monkeys here on this podcast, but we will do our best. As I mentioned, we're sponsored by The Fridge. Get into The Fridge whenever you can, and if you don't want to get into The Fridge, use their app or their website to pre-order, prepay, and have them bring it out to you. And you can drive home safely without ever seeing other human beings other than one kind little fridge employee who puts it in your car. It's fantastic. The fridge at the corner, this and that, in the town in which we live. Make sure you get into the greatest liquor store man has ever known. And probably woman, too. This first half is sponsored by Tanners. I miss you, Tanners. I love you, Tanners. I want to be back inside you, Tanners. I will be there as soon as I can, Tanners. And uh, we're looking forward to wedding season at Tanner's, right, Gills? No. You got it. Wedding, wedding reception season. You got it. It's going to be a fun time. Maybe I'll just have a wedding reception with uh, no wedding and everyone can come visit us. Zach, I'd like to sit here and kill some time because I don't know how much time of the questions will take up, but screw that. Let's get going. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. From Purple Cheese, will Skylar Thompson be considered in the top group of Big 12 quarterbacks this fall? I don't think so. I mean, he hasn't proven to me that he's up top shelf. Now, you look around the conference and think about who the quarterbacks are. There's some pretty good ones. Uh, But, I, I mean, if you just look at the conference, he could be. But nationwide, maybe not. Skylar's got it in him. We've seen it from him. I have confidence that the game is there, and if he uh, can work on his progressions, reading defenses, not panic and fall into the same habits of fleeing the pocket to his right, I think Skyler can be a really good quarterback. I just don't think he's he's quite there yet, and um, I think the second year in the system will help, although losing spring football didn't help. Gills, what are your thoughts on Skyler Thompson? Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of him, and I kind of agree with you. Um, going back to last year, he would have had to have made a, a big improvement, which I don't think he did if he wanted to be an elite quarterback in the Big 12 or around the country. 
I don't think he made that step last year to get to that point this year. So I think he'll be fine. I think he'll, you know, like you said, he'll obviously get better in the second year in the system and stuff like that. But I don't think he's going to be a tier one quarterback in the big 12 next year. Yeah. Unfortunately, I agree. I think if you're saying top group of big 12 quarterbacks is top, top half. I mean, I think he'd be in the top five. Yeah, I mean, probably only, 10 schools, you know, like you lose Jalen hurts. So, you know, whoever OU's quarterback is, yes, they'll be good, but they'll be brand new. Um, I'd probably take Skyler over whoever OU's going to throw out there. Um, you have Sam Ellinger from Texas, Charlie Brewer from, from Baylor. I mean, there, there's only three seniors when you include Skyler Thompson. So, um, as far as experience goes, he's definitely in the top, I think. And I think experience will go a long way. I know that Skyler's kind of had some struggles and hasn't been necessarily following the progression that you'd like to see him follow. But at the same time, he does have the experience. And I think that that does elevate him, uh, at least to the top five, if not, you know, top three or four, in my opinion. Very good. From Wildcat Pilot 88, if you are an opposing coach or kicker, are you kicking to Malik Knowles, Josh Youngblood, or straight out of bounds to allow K-State to start at the 35? Man, that's a valid question. Uh, but this is not a new question for Kansas State football. Uh, we've seen coaches make this mistake over and over, including back in the day when Mac Brown, for some unexplained reason, kicked the ball to David Allen and he housed it on him. You don't want to just give up that yardage. I mean, letting someone start at the 35 is pretty significant. And um, we you know, just can't do that. So I think you'll position the ball. You'll try to, you know, kick it through the back of the end zone, whatever you need to do. And punting wise, you just got to punt to the boundaries and try to pin people up. But man, if they get out of that, if someone blows an assignment, you're in big trouble because those guys will breach a gap and just be gone. Uh, I, I would be very, very careful. The problem with being very careful is that tells your coverage unit we're being careful, and um, in turn, they may not go down the field with the same effort, and if the punter or kicker mishits the ball, chaos ensues, which has happened also in the past when the coverage unit thought they weren't kicking to K-State's returners and a mistake was made, and um, the touchdown resulted. It, it, it just adds a whole other dimension to things for Kansas State because it just wreaks chaos with the other team's special teams. I think you got to go that, into Bill Snyder's uh, little bag of tricks and the, the uh, little pooch kick, you know, 25 yard line, 20 yard line high in the air. Let the, you know, the um, special teams, you know, unit get down the field. Um, you know, it's, you're not going to, like you said, Fitz, there's no real threat to that, but you are giving up a little yardage with yardage with doing that. So that's what I would do. Honestly, going up against K-State's yeah. return team. Well, one thing that's bothered me about K-State's kicking, I know this isn't really the question here, but K-State really hasn't had a kicker a kickoff guy that can kick it out of the, the back of the end zone, just boom it, you know, into the stands or past the goalpost, whatever, since uh, since Matt McCrane. So that's one thing that frustrates me. So K-State has pretty much always had to kick, you know, it'll land in the end zone and they can take it out or not. Um, but for the most part, K-State's had to, to return kicks or have the opponent return their kicks. Um, and I think that, with Youngblood and, and Knowles, um, I would try kicking out of the back of the end zone. And if you can't do that, I mean, you're, you're basically just just hoping, hoping you can get down there quick enough. Um, and I think that for the most part, 
you're going to stop him before the 35, but I don't think kicking out of the bounds is, is a terrible idea either. Also from Wildcat Pilot 88, what would your over-under be on special teams touchdowns this year? Mm, probably special teams touchdowns. So punts and kickoffs. Four and a half. That's exactly what I was going to say. Four and a half. We had four last year, right? Three kickoffs. Four kickoffs. Cause... There's four kickoffs, yeah. There's a punt. Any punts in there. there was a punt, too. It feels like there was a punt. Nichols? Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking back to two years ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But four and a half seems comfortable. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, think about it. Youngblood had three, and he only did it for part of the season. In fact, he didn't have enough returns to qualify for the national statistics column, and yet he led the nation in kickoff returns for touchdowns. It made no sense because it was so out of whack. I'd probably take the over. I'd say, I, think, I think I'd go five. If I, if I was betting on it, I'd say that K-State's more likely to get five than four, just based on last year, especially with what you said about Youngblood not having really a full season uh, to get everything. Yeah, and you got to remember Malik Knowles wasn't even that healthy last year too. So, you know, the young blood coming in strong, and then a healthy Malik Knowles. I would like to bet the over as well. From Purple Cheese, it feels like the Big Twelve is already on notice. But does Josh Youngblood get onto the national radar as an electric playmaker this season? Well, he's got to get more involved in the passing game. And honestly, I was a little bit surprised he wasn't more involved last year. And I think they can find ways to, you know, use him in slip screens and. And things like that that get him into a little bit of space and kind of turns it into a punt return, kickoff return type situation. Um, maybe they don't feel like his route running has been great. His you know hands in terms of pass catching have, have been what they want. I'm not sure. They just didn't have him involved enough in the pass game to make him in the spotlight nationally enough. I think that'll come. I think they'll get there. And so the answer is, yeah, I think he will. As a sophomore, people will really – know about him and and certainly having enough time to absorb what he did as a true freshman on kickoff returns will send a message around the country that this kid is something special and you better check him out but yeah i'd like to see him a little bit more woven into the offensive playbook so question from go power cat ryan g for you guys oh you know, we talked about skyler earlier who do you think's got a better chance to become you know sort of an elite player nationally or at least kind of in the spotlight um would you go a, a quarterback like skyler thompson or would you Go for someone a little more flashy like Youngblood, who I think we can agree Thompson's probably a little bit better, but, you know, it's more fun to watch a guy like Youngblood play. You know, we look at, you know, the best quarterback in, in 2012 and in, in Colin Klein, but, you know, no one wants to focus on that because he's not really fun to watch like Johnny Manziel. So what do you guys think about that? I'd go Youngblood as far as having that national prevalence, but also Youngblood, to get that national prevalence, he'd probably do it on the return game one, Two, he'd do it as a receiver, and if Josh Youngblood is relevant and pre prevalent on a, a national stage, I think that elevates Skyler as well. And I think that yeah. in order for Skyler to be successful and be you know amazing on a national stage, Youngblood needs to be his his wide receiver number one. And I think that you know I could see it kind of being a, a Brandon Wheaton. Uh, I can't even think of the wide receiver's name. Blackman. Blackman. Justin Blackman. Yep. You know, one of those type combos where they're both, you know, they both make each other better. Um, so that's how I see it. I think Malik Knowles might get there, too. I think Malik might become a more of a focus of the passing game. And people might realize that this kid is uh, 
a big time playmaker and you know, he kind of reminds me of a guy that would be at OU. So maybe you'll get some attention this year. From Adam K sixty three, do you believe that football will be able to do their summer program on June first? I would doubt it. I think we're looking at July first before some of this breaks free. I think uh, if you're a football player and July first uh, is opened up, you're going to have a miserable July and August. Miserable. I mean, they've got to get you back in shape, not just for competitive reasons, but to protect you from injury. And uh, you know, without spring practice, I wonder if they'll be able to allocate extra time to get teams better. I mean, I need to check the NCAA rules. Is there a definition of spring practice of, of the dates it needs to be between? I would think there would be, but uh, would the NCAA let you take some extra practices in July to compensate for the loss of spring practice? Keep in mind, some people got in spring practice, so they're at an advantage. Um, Yeah, I, I think it's probably closer to July 1. Yeah, I, and I even would doubt July 1, at least right now. I just, it's so, again, I know we say, you know, we had a week, you know, it's only been seven weeks or eight weeks or however long we've been doing this. You know, each week we say that, but we're still looking, you know, four, four weeks away would be June 1. You know, another eight weeks is July. It's just, it's it's tough to say what's going to happen. And with, you know, restrictions as far as stay-at-home orders being lifted and, you know, businesses starting to open up, it'll be interesting to see if cases spike again, if we have to go back to staying inside. Um, you know, just from that standpoint, I'm, I'm a little worried. Um, but, I mean, I hope it, it flattens off and doesn't doesn't spike again because that would be a great sign for starting again in the summer and then having football as, as scheduled. But I just – the unknowns are just so big that I just, I don't know what to say. I agree. It's all guesswork. Uh, and my guess is July one, things will start to move as universities prepare to bring on students in the fall and, and whatever way they have to. And that would include maybe being able to bring back um, athletes that need to train. From D Brimmer 73. It looks like to me that football is on and Texas rules the Big 12 and the state is open for business. No matter how many people get sick, what do you think? Well, Zach, you brought this up on an earlier podcast. I think the Big 12 will be on for football. I think all of these states will accept the risk um, or they're in a situation to accept the risk. It gets to be curious with all of college football. You get into some of the states like Michigan or or California, or, you know, that have more cautious governors, what happens then? What if California says, we're, we're not going to let our schools play football, be it high school, college, whatever? Um, what happens to the Pac-12? What? How do they handle that if four of their schools simply can't compete because it's against state regulations or laws or whatever you want to call it? I think the Big 12 will be a go. Um, I'm just curious to see if they get in all their games. I'm curious to see if a school like Vanderbilt goes ahead and plays football. So, there's again, like Zach just said, there's so many unknowns uh, that we face. But uh, I think Big 12 will be go time. Now, there is the possibility that that means football starts in October. I don't know. I, I would think they'd want to get it in as many warm months as possible because I think if we're going to see a – a return, it's probably going to be when we get pinned up and inside and concealed and the virus starts to spread again in that winter time when we kind of saw it. Luckily, we had the spring come along and maybe take the wind out of it. But 
Now that's that's my real threat is what happens December, January, February, and when we're all inside spreading the flu bug, let alone this virus. Actually, I'm going to kind of hit back at the question here. With the, It says Texas rules the Big 12. And yes, while that's true as far as athletics goes, if the university itself, if the athletic department and the university are not on the same page as far as starting, because I think Texas as a university would be one of those schools that would be reluctant to have on campus learning. Um, you know, I feel like Texas is one of those quote unquote big brain schools that would would try making a decision like that that would be, you know, go along with like the Dukes and the Stanford saying, hey, we're going to, you know, be online for this. Like, we're not going to risk it. We're not going to do this or that uh, because we're, you know, we are who we are. Um, so I wonder if, you know, the athletic departments and universities all across the country are going to have to kind of fight each other um, and trying to figure out the best best course of action going forward. We're obviously months away from you know decision being made, and I'm no expert at all by all means, but you know I think it's an all or nothing type deal. If there's even one or two schools out there that are saying no, we're not going to play, I think that's going to set a trend for not only that conference but the entire way. I think it's really going to be not the Big 12 to answer the question, but the NCAA as a whole saying yes, we're going to play, no, we're not going to play. Obviously, it's months away. Who knows what next is going to happen? There's so much that's changing every day, but. I think it's an all-or-nothing type deal. From I Like Pickles Cat, what is the worst K-State game you have ever been to? Oh, my. Well, mine goes back before Bill Snyder, and it was Austin P game. When I've told this story before, when they threw an incompletion on the last play of the game, but K-State was offside, so they ran the exact same play and scored a touchdown to win the game, and then the players all danced on the Wildcat and was rubbing their butts, like wiping their butts on the Wildcat at midfield. And coaches came out to try to get them off the field, we thought, but no, they participated in the dancing. They ran the same damn play twice, and K-State fell for it twice. Just the first time it was overthrown, and the second time it was completed for a touchdown. The next game, Austin Peay's quarterback broke his leg, and beating K-State was the only game that one A team won all season. That was the low point. Wow. That was the breaking point for me, and um, that's how bad K-State football, a miserable one A team, could win in Manhattan back then. That was that was my worst experience. It was so bad it was comical, and you know we had stuck around because there was a Willie Nelson concert after the game, and we got to see K-State lose and then humiliated by the opponents and their coaches. I would say that the OU game from 2015 is one of the worst ones I've ever been to. But when I think of worst games I attended, I wouldn't consider that one to be it. I would consider the time it was 2008 uh, K state lost to Texas tech 58 to 28. And I actually thought the score was a lot worse, but man, I remember sitting through that game and just from the start, K-State was not going to win that game, and I think I stayed for the whole thing, and it was just it was a miserable blowout that K-State had no chance in, and Texas Tech was number seven at the time. Can I just pick any game from this last year <laughs> for basketball? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you look at that Texas game, but that was just miserable. I don't get frustrated often in sports, but I was just so pissed off um, after that game. I mean, the St. Louis game in Sprint Center, you know, back in December, I mean – just ugly basketball, man. I can't think of a specific game this season, but the entire season was just, it was not fun at all. I guess like, I didn't really think of basketball 
The whole season was a blur. This was the worst season I ever went to. It's horrible. Does that yeah. count? <laughs> From Adam K sixty three, will the basketball staff fill the last open scholarship? I think they intend to. Um, I I don't know whom with at this point. If it'll be maybe they're just looking for a grad transfer or something. You know, I think their instinct would be to make sure they have it back for next year, so that would indicate a grad transfer. And there's, I guess there's reasons to wait. I, we're still seeing guys that are deciding, oh, I'm not going to go back to my school because they're not there. They they kind of have up until whatever date they need to report to decide that if they're going to go back. And maybe K-State's just going to sit on it and wait to see if something falls in their lap. It might be a pretty good plan, actually. Yeah, Eisenhower's been open here, and we haven't heard anything as far as a specific player, but I, I agree with you, Fitz. You know, just sit back and wait and see what happens. You know, Wake Forest has got all these – no players transferring every school that has a coaching change for that matter. So, you know, just taking it easy and seeing what can come to you. I like that kind of philosophy for this team. I think you've definitely got to go um, grad transfer. You don't want to mess everything up um, for the coming years. You have someone old, older come in, give you some leadership for a year or two. And then, you know, that's, that's their, that's their time at Kansas state. Uh, I think the future is really what you need to be focusing on at this point. And you don't want to add in, even more recruits, which it's already pretty much too late to do that. But, you know, the, the freshman and sophomore class is pretty much set. So I, I think a grad transfer would be great for this team. Last question of the first half from Adam K 63. I saw where K state is hosting UMKC in basketball next season. Is there a possibility of a return trip to the pouch of ouch? The pouch of ouch. <laughs> uh, I, I love games in Muni. Yeah, municipal auditorium downtown Kansas City. They play a lot of on-campus games now, but I think bigger ones they play still play at Muni. You know, I wasn't at the the dreaded game back in oh whatever. I blocked it out. I was at a bowl game, and I was I think texting with my buddy Ivan Wilkinson about it, and he was there, and it was just a miserable meltdown by a Jim Oldridge team losing by what was it fifty points at UMKC. It brings back nightmares. K State should be playing UMKC on a regular basis. It's just an easy piece of scheduling. It's good for them. Um, and even if you go into Kansas City once every three games, that that's fine. Go play them at Muni and, and let K-State fans have another opportunity to see your team and, and play in front of uh, Kansas City fans. Look, we've seen a lot of good players come out of Kansas City and go places other than Kansas State. And, you know, increasing your presence in that town is, can do nothing but help nothing but help and not just basketball just the university as a whole playing in Kansas City would help the university as a whole so I'm all for it I'm all for going into Kansas City I'm all for if you're struggling to find a game to play in Kansas City just schedule UMKC at Sprint I'm down for it I think it'd be good for their program and it'd be great for K-State and and uh, at least it has some public interest to it that exceeds your Pine Bluffs and all those other teams you schedule yeah, I like it. I'd love to see them go on the road. And even more so, schedule more opponents that are, are regional, like Nebraska-Omaha or, you know, Missouri State. You know, maybe not go on the road all the time to those places, but maybe every once in a while. Um, it, it adds a road game, which is important now with the, the net ratings. And, um, you know, those are technically winnable games. I mean, yes, it's still a road game and it might be a trap game, but um, easy games that are that are close by, um, that are easy to get to. 
and you know local opponents especially a lot of these schools there might be some kansas kids playing on those other teams that might be might be an interesting story there basically we're saying bring on the ruse let's take a break right here zach i tell you what let's let's hit the pause right now and go to break we've got one more question left in the podcast that's right one more question left in the podcast but we're going to use a whole segment to answer it because it's a great question from our friend K-Ned. Just a reminder that Go Powercat will be having a 60% off sale starting Wednesday morning and running through Friday evening. I think 11 p.m. Central it ends. So you've got basically three days here to hop on board. Football season is nearing. Football is going to be here at some point. I am 98.7% confident that we will have some form of football season. We will. And you will want the coverage from all my team at Go Power Cat. 60% off for your first year. So, look, I know there's not a lot going on. Just look at it this way. Use that discount for this slower time. Uh, you're still going to get a great price and uh, get some great coverage from the guys here in the interim. We're just cranking out all kinds of coverage, doing the best we can to keep K-Staters entertained. And go ahead and grab that VIP price, 60% off your first year. Between Wednesday and Friday, you're going to love it. Again, that's it for the first half of the podcast. We will be back on the other half. We appreciate the Fridge being our sponsor and the first half sponsor, Tanners. Zach, Gills, and Fitz will be right back. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law we now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by The Fridge, Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gills, Gilbert, Zach Car Carlson. That name doesn't really work that well. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Get into The Fridge. they got a great app. they got a great website. they got a great selection. they got great customer service. they got a great store location. They're great. The Fridge, great. I wonder if anyone uses that for advertising. Maybe they should. Huh. The segment is sponsored by the High-Low. I'm ready to be inside the High-Low. I will gladly socially distance myself from other people so I can have a slice and a burger from the High-Low. High-Low, I miss you. I want you. I need you. Kind of feels like an old song right there. What was that? Cheap Trick? Did I just go Cheap Trick on you? They're not a cheap trick. It's the High-Low. They're the best. Now, here are your questions from Wabash Station. I say questions. Actually, 
It's a rare question segment. Zach, take it away. This is the one and only question of the second half, and it's from KNED. Are the name, image, and likeness rules going to be a competitive disaster for K-State, or could it help, or is it in the gray area? If I had to guess, it's going to be a bad thing for Kansas State. Uh, I think anytime you've got a big market team, a, a USC, uh, a Texas, even to a lesser extent, Oklahoma, uh, maybe Nebraska just because it rules their entire state, Recruits are going to have more opportunities for endorsements and and whatever comes of this than a little market like Manhattan, Kansas. And I know this market because I've tried to sell advertising in it for a long, long time. And there's only so many big hitters, and those big hitters get hit up a lot. I mean, the university, anyone who sponsors something is after Briggs and, you know, what was GTM now champion or whatever they go by. Uh, all of those things just kind of get run over and over and over with opportunities, and I don't know how much they can help out in this area. This is a wild frontier about to be opened up by the NCAA, and what it means, I'm not sure. I am not sure at all. Um, we'll see. We will absolutely see what, what comes of this in terms of benefits for Kansas State players, but I think it does put K-State at a disadvantage. I mean, if you're – if you're a school like Kansas with basketball, you're going to have a lot of very big donors willing to pay a player for endorsement. That's just how it's going to work. It's it. This is going to be a mess. This is going to be an absolute mess. And uh, but it kind of was forced upon the NCAA, and we'll see where it takes us. But I don't think it's going to take us to great places. I actually disagree, and I think that. Uh, this is going to be fine. I don't think it's going to have any effect really on, on a lot of, on a lot of stuff. I don't think uh, there was a message board post I saw about, Oh, the Austin market can afford to pay the fifth string walk on long snapper to endorse whatever, you know, like there's only so many people on a football team or even a basketball team that are, are worth the, the marketing or, the ad dollars that it would cost to to have them endorse something. There's only so much money that is worth it and so much time for these athletes uh, to endorse stuff that, you know, like what, like what are you thinking of when um, a car company is going to have them endorse something? Are they going to give them a car? Are they going to have them do a commercial? Are they going to do something on social media? Like, you know, there's, there's kind of this limited value of what you could pay some someone for for a legitimate ad service, um, and and I think that you'll see stuff be regulated by the NCAA as far you know if if someone's getting a million dollars for a car deal I think that that's going to be seen as kind of fraudulent there by the NCAA but this is just name image and likeness it's not changing the rules on boosters being able to give money to, to players. I, I think that that rule is still going to exist. You're not just going to be able to say, hey, I can pay you $100,000 if you come to K-State and you'll be in this commercial or whatever. You know, I just, that's still against NCAA rules. I, I just, I don't see stuff like that happening. But where I see this benefiting is not really for the star players it's for everybody else on the team. It's it's people, for example, 
like right now, if you are a student athlete, any sport or whatever, and you made a YouTube channel, you couldn't put ads on your videos, regardless of how many views you get, how popular you are. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what you're doing. If you're using your name, you the NCAA owns your name, and you're not allowed to make any money on it. And a good example is Kylie Ross was a soccer player at Baylor that just graduated, and she would vlog all of the road trips she'd taken the Big 12. It was really interesting, really well put together, and she was good at it. But she wasn't allowed to make a single dollar off of her videos. And the money she'd be making wouldn't necessarily be from anybody that – follows Baylor athletics. It's coming from ad companies, you know, commercials like that don't have anything to do with sports. So this opens up opportunities for athletes to make money regardless of, of what they are. It's just, I don't think that the value is necessarily going to be in the star players too. Like for instance, the top K-State football player right now with the biggest following on TikTok is Tayton Winkle. He's a kicker. Okay, not Skylar Tom. <laughs> He's a community college transfer. So he has almost 50,000 followers on TikTok uh, and like a million likes. So he's, you know, he's done some kicking videos on there that are, huh. that are cool. Um, but a guy like him, nobody knew who he was until I told you who he was. But if he wanted to make any sort of money off of TikTok from an ad, it probably wouldn't be coming from someone that has K-State ties. And it would be more of a national thing, but he wouldn't be allowed to do it because he's a student athlete. So I think that the the whole, oh, this is just going to be a bunch of dirty money thing, I, I feel like that story is overblown because this allows everyone to be able to make money. And it's I, I don't think it's about the star players necessarily. That was a long answer. In a perfect world, um, you know, if everyone's playing by the rules, I think K-State's going to – it benefits them. It's a good thing for them. But, you know, you look at college basketball. I'm not saying Kansas or Kentucky or Louisville or any or Duke. I'm not saying any of those schools pay their players or anything fishy is going on. But if there is, then you're, you're kind of back to square one. You know, you're, you're just going back to those teams getting, you know, money funneled into the – you know, to their players from Adidas to from whoever. Um, that, I think – that's what you really have to tackle. That's the challenge if you're the NCAA. I, I kind of am in the middle with you guys. I, I agree with what you're saying, Zach, but also I agree with what Fitz is saying. Um, I'm not a huge fan of college athletes getting really anything, but then I listen to what you just said. You know, I mean, if you're just a, a soccer player who wants to do some vlogging and it has nothing to do with, you know, your actual, you know, you know playing a sport in the NCAA as far as where your income comes from, that I think that's totally fine. So I, you know, it's a tough situation, but the biggest thing for me, to, the, the question was about Kansas state, unless they can tackle that issue that's going on with the bigger schools. And it's not just about the Texas or the USC's. It's about the ones who are, you know, Kansas and the ones that are being investigated by the NCAA until that can get really you know fixed. I think that Kansas state still is a step behind, has a program that, as far as we know, likes to play by the rules and a pretty clean, you know, ran program by, by Kleiman and Weber and stuff like that. Um, I, I think until something changes with, with what happens there, as far as those, you know, schools getting money under the table, I think K-State's still a step behind. I think another thing you have to remember is there's only a finite amount of talent and K-State hasn't really been getting the four or even five stars, um, lately or yeah. for a long time. 
So all of these players that weren't really in K-State's market that they probably weren't going to get, and now if they're able to get more money, you know, is it really that bad of a, a deal where, you know, you lost the player, but you also didn't have to pay him $500,000, you know? It'll it'll kind of create some competition at the top, and I think that K-State's, K-State's always been about finding that value player, at least according to the rankings. You know, they get a lot of two and three stars, and they coach them up. I think that there's going to be some uh, saber metrics or, you know, whatever, you know, just trying to find the the numbers as far as value go to, to build a team, you know, some money ball stuff. So it's not a bidding war because we, we're not actually paying the student athletes, but how do you avoid that then Zach? Um, how do you avoid a bidding war that just boom? Cause like you said, these top schools are probably going to have you know, these top players are going to go to some of the better schools. How do you avoid just something like where, you know, a bidding war comes into play where the best players are going to go to the best schools. I mean, I, the way I see it is just like right now, the best players are already not going to be considering K-State. So K-State's not even in play. So they're not losing any money, but yeah. the school that they end up landing at, you know, that's, you know, that's advertising dollars from somewhere else, you know, that there's a, there's a finite amount of money out there that can be spent on student athletes and getting quote unquote student athletes to come to your school and trying to grease them and, and move them that way. Once name image and likeness is, is allowed to be profited upon. But I think that, that if K-State's not a player in those, those big schools um, for those big players, I think that, you know, I think that it's just going to be about the same. I think that the money's going to translate exactly how it's kind of playing out right now. The, the best players are going to go to the best schools and I don't think K-State's going to try getting in any any bidding wars with someone that they don't think is worth it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, you can, I'm reading it here, you can get third-party endorsements related to athletics without school or conference involvement, compensation for student-athlete opportunities such as social media, new businesses, or personal appearances without institutional involvement. They They go ahead down here and mention something about boosters being involved, but how again so if the way the ncaa has done this in the past if you've ever farted near a campus you're a booster of that institution i mean they, they've been so outrageous in their wide yeah. swath they sweep with uh, who they define as a booster um so i don't understand if, if you're interested in having a student athlete be on your ads how does that not make you, by the definitions they've used in the past, a booster? And down here it says they can't have activities involving boosters. So I don't, I don't know. I this is just such a weird, weird play by the NCAA. They've been forced into this, but it's kind of vague. It's unknown. They might be restrictive. And what we've also seen from the NCAA guys is they're not very even-handed on how they hand out penalties. Some schools can get away with stuff and some schools can't. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's always been that way with the NCAA. Uh, you know, if, help us out. Self-report will be lenient on you. Except if you're Missouri softball, we'll absolutely hammer you. And, and, and so I, I don't really understand the NCAA. I, I, there's so many problems with the NCAA. This is just going to magnify some of these issues. The NCAA has to do some major house cleaning and be more strict and more even-handed in how they handle all of these things. This is the penalty for this. This is the penalty for that. Everyone, whether you're 
Nickel State or University of Kansas or Alabama are subject to the same rules and penalties. And they've just been so unfair about how they hand out bull bans, scholarship limitations, recruiting limitations. It's kind of pick and choose whatever we think. They nailed USC. Other schools have gotten by with similar things. It's just very frustrating to watch the NCAA operate. And this is going to be a massive amount of confusion for them. Just just reading through this thing as it, it appears now on their NCAA site, their Q&A, it's going to be massive misunderstanding of what the rule is and uh, how it will be applied. I think it is a disadvantage for K-State because there will be some kids that might choose. Maybe it's not at all what they can actually land. But if you're uh, – let me pick out a school here. If you're Colorado – and you're recruiting a kid. Hey, we got the Denver market. Think about all your advertising opportunities you're going to have in the Denver market that you wouldn't have in Manhattan, Kansas. Now, maybe there's no reality to that, but it's a good piece of leverage to use on a kid that's sitting on the fence that, oh, I will have better opportunities if I want to sell my TikTok. Um, and maybe we should get into some TikTok advertising, Zach. You want to be in charge of our TikTok budget? It's just fun to say. Since I will... Spence, I will say it. We should not be advertising on TikTok. That is not our target demo. I would also say the same as Instagram. Are you saying that we have an older demographic that cannot dance? Is that what you're saying, Zach? <laughs> I'm saying that that our, uh, our 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 listeners and our users are probably not on TikTok, and they probably wouldn't even spell it right. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, okay. So we will advertise on MySpace. I don't even know if that exists. Then we're going to save a lot of money right there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I, I don't know. Guys, this, this will be fascinating. It really will. I, I know this, it'd be a violation for us to have any student athlete do anything. Cause that's the overlap. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's crazy. But this has been a good topic. The KNED half of the PowerCat <laughs> podcast is behind us. Not a lot of questions this week. Uh, KNED put up a lot of historical stuff that I got dizzy looking at. Uh, my little quarantine brain couldn't handle it. I'll, I'm gonna I appreciate go, the, I'm gonna, Yeah, I appreciate I, the effort. I'm going to go dig into I it. I appreciate the it. effort. I don't know if we will ever actually answer that question on the on the, on the podcast, KNED, because I don't think anybody wants to listen to me reading that out loud for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I appreciate the effort, though, man, but I think that yes, I think that that's going to stay on the cutting room floor for for the considerable future, KNED. I'm very sorry. He's very thorough. He's very very thorough, and uh, we've tried to be thorough in this edition of the podcast. I don't know how thorough we were, but I felt like we've bonded a little bit we 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 better understand each other because zach's all about the money and i'm scared and gills i don't know i don't remember what you said pizza 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 uh thanks for listening to the power cat podcast we will talk to you next week with a whole nother edition if you have questions if not we might think of something else to do like my favorite show tunes and i'll just sing to you that should be good incentive for you to all ask questions for next week's podcast and remember the overtime podcast lands on friday we don't really need sports for that because it's stupid you've been listening to the power cat questions podcast presented by fridge wholesale liquor 
PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.